everyone, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're about ready to start two old bloggers. We've got a few things to talk about today. We're looking at draft, at the draft, how uh, the differences that Quasi may do it versus Rick, Slick Rick. We'll find out, are they going to do the same? It sure looks like it's setting up that way, but is that a disappointment? Or are we going to be happy? We're going to look at some of those sneaky draft needs. Darren will explain what those sneaky needs are. And then at the end, we're going to pay tribute to a few fallen Vikings that we've missed over time, and we want to pay our respects. Until then, enjoy the roller, which I need to show you. And we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, home of news and commentary for your Minnesota Vikings. Hey everybody, Dave here. Darren in the Great White North. How's things going up there, Darren? Melton, spring has arrived. Woohoo! So I'm happy. We've had our taste first taste of summer. <laughs> A couple 90 degree days here down in Texas. Which is okay. It's not bad. Everything's green down here. Pollen count is astronomical. It's affecting everybody's allergies, including mine. But hey, that's what happens when you live in the South. So, let's get this puppy going. Indeed. Back here to the graphics scene. And we'll hit it off. We're going to be talking about the draft, right? We have less than, uh, was it less than three weeks now until the draft? So, and with the draft, the big three-day event of Climbing the Pocket, wall-to-wall draft coverage. So, but first you wanted to talk about Quasi and Rick. A little bit of Quasi and Rick, yes. Uh, like you said, draft is uh, quickly approaching, one of our favorite times of the year. And, uh, of course, with, with Rick Spielman having been a GM and with the Vikings and the player personnel department since 2006 until he got canned at the, at the end of last season, uh, we, we Vikings fans had a pretty – I think we had a pretty good read on – how he handled, how he attacked the draft, especially the last few years. Uh, very aggressive in the first round, uh, trying to find a, a, a trading down and, and adding draft capital, and also very aggressive on day three of the draft usually, and trading multiple times. Just and you know his whole thing, it seemed to be like uh, add draft capital, get as many lottery picks as you can in the draft, and. See where it goes. That well, annoyed, there's the joke. Times. There's the joke that he wants to own the seventh round. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in 2020, he almost did. He almost did. Yeah, and that was. And yeah, and we had as as Vikings fans that got to be annoying at times because you'd be like, you know, you you wait for a round. The Vikings are on the clock, then they're not on the clock because they traded with some team and then they, you know, they trade out of the fifth round to get two sixth rounders even though they already had two sixth rounders and it was all that sort of stuff. But uh, again, very clear that Rick had a philosophy. He didn't really see 
their, their draft boards, obviously, especially on day three, they didn't see a whole lot of difference between the players they could get in the fifth to the sixth or the sixth versus the seventh. They just wanted more picks. That's how he did it. We have no idea, we've said this before, how Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is going to attack the draft. Is he going to be like Rick and look to accumulate draft capital, or is he going to be more with the, uh, take the, the view of that? Quality if over I'm, quantity. Yes. yes like in, let's get more Let's get more picks in the top 100 or 150 instead of trying to accumulate a lot in the back end of the draft. Don't know, uh, again, but with him being a analytics kind of focused guy, he will take you know that data in, into making some of those decisions. But the big, I think the thing that we're discussing right now, a lot of focus on the first round of the draft and what the Vikings are going to do. And, and at this point, uh, you're looking at, the question that a lot of Vikings fans are asking is, are they going to stick at 12 or are they going to, particularly, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people are seeing them trading up uh, where th- this team is right now, although it could very well happen. But Depends who's the, available, the, say, at like 10 or something. Yeah, they could. Mm-hmm. Now, could I saw a story, Vikings territory, I think today, talked about trading up to get in front of the Jets to get Sauce Gardner. What would it take to do that? And it would take our first, second, and third. And I don't see that happening. So, I don't either. Not where this team is at right now. But the the, the trade down, which Rick Spielman did the last two drafts, that I think that's a discussion I'm seeing a lot right now. And I wanted to examine that a little bit um, because there, there's pros and cons to both, uh, David. But uh, at, at number 12 right now, I think that's a very good spot for the Vikings to be. Not as good as if you're maybe number one or number two or number three, but I really feel that at number 12, with the Vikings' needs being what they are, uh, you can feel pretty good at that spot that you're going to get, if you want, one of the top three corners in the draft at that spot. Uh, probably one of the top three linebackers at that spot. One of the top three edge rushers at 12, I think. Uh, looking at other teams' needs but that are ahead of the Vikings, what they want, what they don't want. So I think it's a pretty good spot to be in to get an impact, a player who's going to make an impact. And, and I, you know, I feel that the Vikings, we'd like to see them get a player who has an impact like a Micah Parsons did last year with the Dallas Cowboys or like Justin Jefferson had in 2020 w- with the Vikes. But so there's that. But the trading down is also it's a it's always appealing to me, uh, David, because uh, especially where the Vikings are at right now, they've got a lot of like they've got some key vets that they're probably going to be moving on from in the next year or two. You know who they are: Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, da 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 da. Uh, and when you're in that position, you really yeah, Patrick Peterson just signed a one-year deal. Uh, when you're in that position, really, and you th- you know you're going to be moving on from these guys, trading down, getting more draft capital, and getting bringing in cheap young talent that you can either groom and bring in as depth is, I think, a pretty solid play for Equasi Adolfo Mensa. Uh, I prefer and- the word grow versus groom, but okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
however you want to parse those words. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you, the Vikings have, again, a lot of top-heavy roster in a lot of ways, you know, guys that are expensive at the higher end, vets. Uh-huh. Some of them are going to be moving on. And if really, you know, you know if you can, again, if Quasey can trade down, accumulate some draft capital, get maybe that fourth back that we traded from Chris Herndon plus some, some extras as well, uh, set yourself up for this year and a little bit extra next year by trading down if you can do it. I like that. I think it's a it's a good move. Now, the other the other side of the coin of it though is is that uh, at twelve, it really if there's a player you absolutely love at that spot take that him. you feel is going to yeah take him, but if if the draft board falls in a way that you don't you feel that you can move down five or six spots or seven or eight and still get a player that you feel is going to make an impact and that you like. Then trade or down. that player may make it down that far. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I did, trading down is very appealing to me uh, because of what we just talked about. You could add draft capital, still getting a player you like, and uh, and and by accumulating more draft picks, you give yourself a bit more flexibility to later on in the draft trade to move up if you have to, or just get extra guys and get extra cheap depth. Uh, that the, that so that's why trading down, uh, I think, really appeals to me. But again, you don't know how the draft is going to you know unfold at this point in time. And again, maybe twelve is you get that awesome player that you know maybe Sauce Gardner is lands there at twelve. Uh, that right would now, be a shock. Like right, but okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right now, it looks like he's going to go way earlier than that. And even Stingley, the other corner from LSU mm-hmm. with the pro day he had. Now his stock is starting to rise where he was kind of an iffy even picking at 12 for some people felt. So, you know, really it's going to be interesting, but uh, I like the trade down scenario. I liked it last year when we did it. I liked it the year before when we did it, you know, the results of that, how, how was Darisaw going to turn out? We don't know. We know that the Jeff Gladney thing didn't really work out. We thought that was actually a good move with Darisaw because that was somebody you wanted that absolutely fell to where the spot you traded to. And if you can and, do that, yeah, you, move, you win. Period. Yeah. Mo- moving down from 14th to 23rd and still getting the player you want, that's a win. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, did, don't look at the, the process, I think, was was the right one. Sometimes the results don't turn out the way you like, like Jeff Gladney, but I don't think you're going to knock the process just because the result didn't turn out the way you wanted to. That's That's on the – that's on the the scouts and the GM, but they you know they, they made the right choice in trading down. They just didn't make the right choice <laughs> when correct they, process they in the trade, not correct process in the pre-draft evaluation. I, I see where you're going now. See the question I have is: Quasi comes from an analytical background. We know that he comes from a business stock market maximizing value. I like that idea of maximizing value. Now, you're going to measure. Do, and we'll get into more of this next week on next week's show. The the typical graph where you see, we'll start over on this side, where you see the, the graph go like this, like a ski slope down, right? Where you have the higher up, the better chance of having somebody make an impact and the further you go down in the draft, the less likely they are. It's not that you can't find guys further down in the draft that can make impact. 
Um, teams do it all the time. The Vikings have done it, right? Stefan Diggs is a prime example. He was selected in the fifth round, and he's turned into Mr. All-World wide receiver now for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, But you've got you you got maximum value. You got more than expected, and we'll get into what's expected at each round, from these players. You want to be able to find those guys. I think analytics can help find those guys, right? And whether it's Flip talking about a primo wide receiver, you know, maybe they go defense early and they find a primo wide receiver in the second or third, you know, that's a hit. That's a huge hit, right? I'm curious how Quazy's going to address it. And like I said, next Saturday, we'll get into some of the analytics of how the draft works out. Is he going to go with a more analytic approach approach, and find those what would normally be gems, you know, in the rough? And uh, we don't know. We just flat out don't know. We know Spielman's approach. His was quantity. Hey, if I get you know all, if I get fifteen picks, I hope to hit at least on five of them, right? Type deal. Yeah. Or does he go the old school approach, which probably happens in Chicago, right? Where you got quant, you want you want quality. I'm going to take the higher guys, knowing that they have a better chance of hitting. Don't know. I'm looking forward to it. It should be interesting to find out. And we're we're going to be uh, happy and upset all at the same time throughout the I'm draft, sure. and like and and be like like why they do that? How come they did that? How come they didn't take that guy? Well, you know, I, oh, great pick, that sort of thing. We hope there'll be a lot more where consensus great pick than uh, why did they take that guy? But yes, the the whole thing on it'll be the one thing that they. Um, one of the accusations made at Spielman with the whole accumulating a bunch of picks and the and the on the multiple trading trading especially later in the round although he didn't do it much last year but uh, that was some people felt that he was admitting that he didn't he wasn't very confident in the picks that he was gonna that he was gonna make so again more more lottery picks in the draft but uh, and not every um, organization took his his uh, his approach uh but uh yeah. you can see the the logic behind it uh, how well it worked well we see how the vikings have done the past decade it's uh, they've been a in, you know an okay team they had a couple of really good years but no super bowls and and, and uh, we've got a new regime and hopefully they've got the right the right formula to to make it and some of these picks at times you you, you have to also there's the you know that you look at the data, you look at the profiles, you look at the scores that they've done at the combine. But of course, there's a human element to it as well, and, and sometimes you just feel that uh, you know, the scout, the GM, feels that this player is going to work in this situation just because, right? They've got maybe a bit of a gut feeling, or they just looked at the tape a little bit differently than some other scouts from some other teams do. It, it can't just all be driven by numbers. I don't think. And, and, and you are 100% correct. And I heard the expression that it is, um, yeah, you can bring analytics. Those are tools added to the process, right, to help you make better decisions. And they may be the the tiebreaker. If film, 
you know, watching the film guys, they come to an, uh, you know, say, hey, this guy and this guy are equal. They may look at the analytics, you know, how athletic is this guy? How how does he do this? How does he does does that? What's his on-field speed, etc.? And they may take the analytics to improve that and do as a tiebreaker. It's just a fact we don't know at this point, and I like your analogy that it's a formula. I can see Quasi in his lab coat with his chemistry <laughs> set right there, you know, mixing a little bit here and mixing a little bit there, the Bunsen burner going, and he's taking notes on how it's going to go, and we'll see how that turns out. Does he create the next, you know, great thing in the league, or does he fail miserably and blow up the lab? We have no idea. Dave, do you have a preference on, like, again, myself, I, I, I really like the, the idea of trading down uh, if, uh, you know, uh, but I've said that, but uh, you know, do you have a strong opinion, opinion on what the Vikings should do? <clears throat> it's like I used to tell Drew all the time. Depends how the board falls. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, if you can get a surefire hit at 12, and 12 is generally a good spot to get a surefire hit. Um, and it's the guy you want, you grab him. No ifs, ands, or buts, you, you grab him. You don't waste it moving down and hoping you can get somebody that might, you know, fit as well. If you know that player A, say – Say it's Sauce Gardner, not that he's going to make it that far, but say it's Sauce Gardner, and he falls to 12, you run to the podium and you grab him. You don't think twice. Not twice. Hamilton drops to 12. You run to the podium and drop that card. You don't think twice. There are players in this draft that we feel that would fit perfectly, short-term, long-term, whatever, you go get them. And then you work everything out after that. Um, now, what if they do trade down, which I'm not against. Trust me, I'm not against it. Uh, especially knowing some of the needs and where they could go with it, right? Um, trade down and build up draft capital. And I would be really pleased if they do trade down and build up draft capital, if some of that draft capital is next year's. Right, If they grab a first for 2023 draft, I'd be even more happy because we know going into 2023, um, <laughs> thanks, Flip, going into 2023, yeah. we need a quarterback, right? They're going to try to find right. some replacement for Kirk Cousins. And if you have two first-round draft choices, that makes it easier to move up in the draft and draft one of those you know, forecasted prodigy quarterbacks. You know, go ahead and do that. That would make me happy because this season, I don't, they're trying to be competitive. I know that. They think they can possibly win the division. That's possible, right? But they they don't have the nucleus short-term and long-term, I believe, to be a Super Bowl contender. Could they get lucky? Hell yes. And then at the end of next year, we're talking about run it all back, give everybody a statue, the whole works, everything's <laughs> rosy, you know, stuff like that. But until then, the realistic approach is, no, Vegas says eight and a half, nine wins, same as before. 
right? Let's build up to where Quasi looks at this squad and goes, all right, we did it the way the Wolves did it. Now I want to change how I want to do it in 2023. Now I have the draft capital. If I want to go up and grab that top-of-the-line quarterback that I think is going to be the franchise guy for the next decade, I now have that in place, and I could do that. That I would appreciate it that way. But even if they went this this year and traded down and got, you know, moved down there first and got an additional second or second and third or second and fourth, however they figure out the point values, that's good too. It's just about to see. Now, Flip giving me grief about that's a boring answer. Flip, it's the smart answer. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't want to trade down and get 50 rookies that you're, uh, you know, betting on the hope to hit. The quantity over quality has not worked in the last few years, even though we'd like to see the team young across the board and have developing young guys. I don't think they're going to go that route 100% because they want to compete. The Wolves want them to compete. It's that simple. Eric Johnson was asking, uh, what did we feel about, or maybe he was asking everybody, what would they feel about like trading up to get Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame? I uh, thought I'd just uh, give, give my two, five, uh, ten cents on that one, and uh, I don't like that because of the position he plays. I understand, you know, I, I know that, yeah, he's considered a, you know, uh, a unique player at that position, potentially a generational talent at safety, but uh, I just don't feel that the what you'd have to give up to get to get him to move up uh, would be worth it with what he would contribute as a safety for the Vikings, especially the way where this team is. We, we, I feel we really need to be adding draft capital, not giving it away to, to get a, to get a safety. Right. Uh, now, even as, even it, as good as Harris, even as good as Harrison Smith is, I would not have, I would not have traded up. <laughs> to, well, to, if, you know, I to, consider to Hamilton Aaron's talking about a blue chippers available. Um, no matter position 12, you grab him. I agree with that. Um, yeah. I consider Hamilton a blue chipper. If he's there at 12, and he won't be. But if he's there at 12, you grab him. And then you solve the safety problem that we're going to get into. Some of these guys are getting old. You had Harrison Smith on there. Harrison Smith is still a wonderful safety. But he has lost a bit of a step. We don't know how he's going to be used. So I I, I have no I, no issue with that. The big deal, it's, a, it's unknown at this time. We don't know how they're going to go about it. And this is the first part, even though it's the old staff, this is the first part where Quasi is 100% in charge of that draft room. If they're doing it by committee, I'll scream and yell and cuss and go ballistic because it'll take too long to make a, de- a decision in the draft room. Hopefully Quasi's there, got everything all prepped, ready to go, and decision charts, the whole works. And as soon as, you know, it goes from pick 12, the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock, he'll have a game plan in place and just be waiting to take phone calls and go, you want to trade what? All right, I'll take your first next year your second this year, and add in a six just for golly geez. Or make it a fourth. I prefer fourth. You want that? All right, come on up. Right? 
And that's the way I want to see how this draft goes. But uh, I, I thought I heard, I thought I was told that um, that Quasi isn't running the team. That the that uh, some shadowy figures uh, in elsewhere are doing it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh well. Thanks for joining us. Are joining us, Jonas. I appreciate it. Now you want to Next get into the second portion. Next topic. Who do we want to talk about first? You wanted to talk about the safeties. Speaking of safeties, <laughs> let's go. Ba, 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 boom. Here we go. Here's our bunch of safeties. Indeed, yes. The uh, because looking at draft needs, Dave, and again, pretty obvious uh, what the big needs are: cornerback. I'd say linebacker to a degree, uh, definitely the interior, center, right guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are things, even even though we, we signed Zadaria Smith and we, we've got Hunter back, you could make an argument that the edge rusher is still a position of need, especially when you don't know if Smith, if Smith might be a one-year rental and Hunter might be a one-year guy too. Uh, but I, I think... I feel one of the like the sneaky uh, Vikings needs something that they I don't think they'd addressed in the first day you know the first round but is is safety because looking at the uh, well, the players that we've got there you've got right now if the ste- season started today and yes I know it doesn't uh, we're quite a ways along but but you've got Cameron Bynum uh, be w- one of the starters uh promising but we really don't know what he is you know what he'll be like as a full-time starter playing 17 games in the nfl uh he started two games last year he did very well but again small sample size Mm -hmm. harrison smith still a very good player but he just turned 33 Uh, a lot and we're probably he's probably not going to be a Viking in twenty twenty three, or at least that's how I I look at it. Uh, uh, but we'll see. There's we'll see. <laughs> yeah. He got a nice and then you've extension. got he did yes he did there is that and then behind them you got Josh Metellus and Miles Dorn and that's it. And do you know how hard it was for me to find a Miles Dorn picture of him in uniform? I'm amazed that you got one. <laughs> it was that hard. Looking at USA Today, Getty, uh, online, and there was only a handful. And so that, that's that's why I feel that the, the Vikings, even though if you've thought of the top three needs that they have going into the draft, safety wouldn't be it. I think that really it is a need because of the whole thing on the Bynum's a big, huge question mark, but you're really right now depending on him to be one of your starters. And Harrison Smith is 33. He's been very durable over the years, but um, you know, you can see him getting at his age, getting banged up and not being able to come back as quickly as he did when he was 23. And also how, how long, how much longer is he going to be with the Vikings? In which case, I feel that the Vikings uh, would be a smart. You could see them target a safety, uh, not in the first, probably not in the second, but I can definitely see it in the third round. And if we get a fourth rounder back by trading down, uh, maybe there. Who are you gonna like? Who should we target? Well, we talked about Kyle Hamilton. I'm not big on <laughs> trading up to get 
Kyle Hamilton. He won't be there at 12 or any other spot that you'd want right. to pick, I think. So he's out of the way. Again, uh, um, Hill from Michigan, probably not going to be there. Uh, you're not picking him at 12. I don't know if they'd be interested in the second round, but he probably – Drew would know better than me, but he's probably a guy who probably could go in the second round. He's he's an excellent safety. But some a couple of guys that could be there in the third or a little bit later would be the other fellows there, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, and then you got Lewis Seen from Georgia. Petrie is, is a really intriguing prospect. He had a really good combine, ran really well, uh, impressed a lot of people there. And uh, he's a guy who was admitted was a do-it-all dude at Baylor. Uh, tackles for losses, tackles, sacks, interceptions. He, he did everything well. Uh, so he's a guy that is going to be on every team's radar. And I think that you know he the Vikings should be taking a hard look at him if he's in that third round area if if he's available in the third round don't know if he will be but again safeties different teams have different views on how important they are lewis seen another guy who's uh he, he played for that all-world defense in georgia but really probably got overlooked because of the the linebackers and the talent at linebacker and at defensive tackle and defensive end that they had there really got overlooked but another guy that's good ball skills around the ball very much uh, a guy who could be in play in the third round or he might slip a little bit later. There's other guys beyond that. Uh, and Drew did weigh in on, on Hill, so thank you, Drew. But, again, really feel that safety not looked with our, our situation at safety. That's something that I think that the Vikings got to look at. they got to prepare for the future. they got to prepare for post-Harrison Smith or – given themselves more depth than Miles Dorn and Josh Metellus. So if either Smith gets hurt or Bynum gets hurt or Bynum doesn't work out the way we hope he does, then you've got a young guy who can move in there who gives you a plan B. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing, if Bynum and Smith work out just fine, that's awesome. You've got a, your plan B for 2023 or maybe 2024, and that kid can develop and not – and you know, work on special teams, not have to get thrown in as a starter right away. But at least you've got your you're developing a young, cheap talent to take over for potentially a, an aging vet like Smith. Or if Bynum doesn't work out, <laughs> you know, he goes uh, that young guy goes in for him, and then you got you got to find another safety to fill in for Smith whenever the wheels right. fall off of his game. And he's at that point. Anytime you get into the thirties, yes. Players seem to be playing a little bit longer nowadays, but anytime you can hit that that cliff and right, and it's gone. Right, the guy was great, you know, was serviceable last year, very good, and then just suddenly it's done. Flip had talked about he wants value positions, and he mentioned quarterback, cornerback. Um. I'm trying to remember what, uh, wide receiver, and he met, failed to mention edge. But let's go with the top corners. Would you take that at 12? If Sauce is there, obviously you would. What about Stingley? Would you take Stingley if he dropped to 12? I would. I'd do it quickly. Um, and that's not just because of his. His pro day, he he raised some concerns about 
speed and, and all of that. But uh, I know he'd had a bit. He's had a bit of an up and down college career. Was phenomenal as a freshman uh, last year. Not uh, dealt with the injury bug and, and all of that. But uh, if he hadn't had those injury issues and had a bit of a so-so year last year, he he would have been the top corner rated he'd be ahead of sauce Gardner, and the talents there the ball skills are there and he's played in the sec uh so he's playing against the top of the top talent whereas sauce Gardner, we all know he gave up what like 126 passing yards in total in last year but he's playing against like tulane and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> teams like that on not regular that there's basis. anything he, wrong with tulane it's not the sec level of competition well, yeah, nothing wrong with Tulane, the school, like uh, I, as far as the level of competition. It was one of the few schools uh, I got a scholarship to, believe it or not, way back when. <laughs> they they have a great go. architectural school, just to let you know. Football team, not so much <laughs> lately. But, but well, Sauce Gardner wasn't playing uh, Alabama regularly or those type of schools regularly. Stingley was, and I definitely would, would take him at 12 because – He's got that kind of talent. I think that's mm-hmm. completely a uh, defensible pick at that position, considering the, the the talent he's got, the physical skills he's got, and uh, the Vikings need at cornerback at this position. He could be very. He's a guy who could be plug him in and play him from day one. Um, so I'm good with that. Uh, I'd even strongly consider uh, a guy like Trent McDuffie at twelve if he's there. Um, he's his college career has been. Pretty well. There's uh, people on here have had some questions about uh, whether he fits the scheme that the Vikings have done. I think there was a concern last week that he's not kind of the the man to man. That's not his strength, um, and that's something that Ed Donatel had mentioned that he was looking for in his corner. So we don't even know how interested the Vikings are in in a guy right. like McDuffie. But but um, his his track record's pretty good. I remember. In 2015, uh, there was we had a, a choice to make: uh, Trey Waynes or Marcus Peters. Uh, Peters' measurables—you know—he wasn't as fast as Trey Waynes, but throughout his career, he'd shown that he was a hell of a playmaker, a guy who got a lot of interceptions, made a lot of plays on the ball. And as we've seen, I mean, it's easy to be 2020 high sight for me on this, but as we've seen, Peter's NFL career, he's been a more impactful player than, than Trey Waynes was. Uh, I'm not saying Trey Waynes was complete shit, but he was okay. But when Peter says Trey Waynes is good, is a good tackler. Uh, Trey Waynes is good against the run. Trey Waynes' problem is his neck is welded to his shoulders. And when the ball is coming, he doesn't turn around to look for it. That's Trey Wayne's this issue. Um, yep. So yeah, that's a there. Uh, but again, that McDuffie's had that from what I've read. He's got that again. That very much of a his college resume is as good as anybody's on there as far as his plays on the ball, what he's accomplished. Booth Booth from Clemson, another guy. I don't know why, but I feel he might twelve might be a bit early for him. But uh, he, that he's one of those guys where the trade down scenario could really work out well because if someone like Pittsburgh mm-hmm. or somebody mentioned um, a little bit earlier, um, can't remember what team it was. It wasn't Pittsburgh, but uh, uh, one team that has 
two picks. New Orleans is another one that, right. that if they see somebody they really like at 12, uh, the Vikings can trade with them, move down, and then a little bit later in the 18, 19, 20 range, then a guy like Booth is a more defensible pick at that position than at 12, considering what you know what, what scouts feel about him, right. what the NFL draft uh, profiles have, have been on him. But so the, with the, the return the, of the trade plus the value of, say, Booth, um, you might get a you know a great pick. Now, if Malik Willis drops to twelve, which I doubt, but if he drops to twelve, and there, there's a lot of people, no way this guy makes it out of the top ten, right? And people are yeah. starting to do the math. Well, you're saying this guy won't make it, 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 this guy won't. And you've already, you know, told me 18 guys that won't make it out of the top 10. And the math doesn't work out. Some of those guys are going to make it. If Malik Willis makes it to 12, I'd be on the phone with the Pittsburgh Steelers going, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, your first this year, first next year. All right, yeah, yeah. Let's keep talking, you know, and and that's the route. If I was crazy, and I'm not, but if I was crazy, that's the route I'd go. De- definitely with the quarterback position because that's such a such a the the premium position in the NFL. Like again, if if a team's looking to move up and you know that they're going to they're going to get a QB, you got to fleece them for all they're worth because they're they're obviously looking to get a player to be the franchise quarterback and be a guy to get them to the Super Bowl and win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like you you want to be getting the uh, draft picks that. Uh, Equate equal to what that means to them, uh, so they might be willing to give up quite a bit more to do get the QB at twelve than somebody who wants to move up to get the offensive tackle that that they want, or the linebacker that they want, or the cornerback that they want at twelve. Aaron, I uh, rejoice in your belief. I hope it's the case. Uh, speaking of the Longhorns, I look forward to seeing a game this year in person. That'd be awesome. Now, there. you talked about linebackers. Do we take a linebacker at 12? I, re- I don't see it. Uh, there was David. Uh, but although Devin Lloyd would be hard to pass up at 12, I think. Uh, okay. But, again, he's another guy that most mocks that I've seen is uh, that he's going to go before we, we pick at 12. Um Kobe Dean, awesome college uh, production, uh, but you know just the just the kind of his his size. You know, he's about six feet or so, and right. like two twenty five or something. Like he's small, pretty small for a linebacker. Pretty small for a linebacker. Will he be able to hold up at the NFL level, despite the fact that he's got, runs down? Ball cares he, like and nobody's he's got business. Heart and you know, yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, jo- as Jonas said, please no. Um, second round, eh, uh, I still think, unless you're getting somebody to replace Kendricks, uh, I'd still might go a little bit further, but we'll see. Talked about defensive linemen now in this. I use CBS as my uh, who's the best. They have um, 
the kid from Minnesota as a DL. Uh, I would put him in the edge class. But is would you take a, D, a defensive lineman, an interior guy, somebody that plays 0-3-5 technique? I wouldn't. Uh, I just I know that, that I know they're valuable, especially we've been moaning and groaning about the Vikings run defense the past two years, and it'd sure be nice to get a guy like a big wide body who can negate the run game. There's there's obviously value value in that, but and I don't think uh, Mafe is is an interior guy at all. He's I don't I, I don't I didn't understand why CBS had him there. Yeah, but um, but I, I, I know Jordan Davis. Class. Yeah, I know Jordan Davis uh, ran like a the four six or whatever, and he's five hundred and sixty pounds, and that's awesome and all of that. But I don't know, like uh, I just wouldn't. It's not quite five hundred sixty. If he yeah, was five hundred sixty and ran a four six, I'd trade up for him because he's going to be three, he's going to be three sixty. He's three sixty. I just uh, I do like uh, these guys. Uh, oftentimes, are like two down players. I'm yeah. just not really keen on picking them at 12. Uh, usually don't do much in the pass rush. They they do occupy blockers, and they allow other guys to make plays, and there's a lot of value in that. But, uh, again, I, I wouldn't pick a D, an interior guy at 12 for the Vikings. And I think the Vikings have some pretty good options for the interior anyway. So Yep. What about that's, edge? That's not really. We've touched on it briefly. Would you take an edge? You know, I don't know whether I would at 12. Uh, obviously, there's no way Hutchinson is going to be there at 12. Yeah, uh, he's I, probably number one. Yeah. Thibodeau, you know, I've never seen him play, okay? I'll, I'll throw that right out there. But everything I'm reading about this guy screams bust. Uh, just because, of, like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm hearing things about – I'm reading a lot about how uneven effort – and his production was not that great last year. Um, if if he was going to, and at one point he was potentially the number one pick in the draft, uh, and now he's he's not. And lots of concerns about him. Last year he had well under uh, like ten sacks. If this is a dominating all-world player, I'd expect a lot better production from him than that. Um, I'm not picking him at twelve. I think that. I just got a feeling about that guy that he's going to be one of those dudes that goes high and never lives up to that those expectations. He, he very well could. Uh, Johnson is a guy I would consider at 12, uh, dominated at the Senior Bowl, dominated at Florida State this year in his one year there, and uh, did great at the, the Combine as well. Big, you know, tall kid, rangy kid. He's got lead, but he's got lead in his pants too. Uh, a guy with a high motor, high character guy. Could be an impact player from day one and in an impact position. I would go at, at him. Karlaftis, the, the guy from Purdue. Again, uh, no questions about his motor or anything like that, but it seems like everybody is predicting him to go later in the first round. That's kind of where his where he should be going. I don't know if... I feel that I feel that he's kind of one of those guys who could be a solid NFL player, but is not going to be a, a, like a star, huge impact like player that Daniel you want, want to pick Zedaris at twelve. Smith. Yeah, yeah, not and, one and of those see, guys. See, that's the only problem I have with picking an edge in the first round is we've got Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. 
Um, this year. Obviously, it would be helpful in the next few years. But for this year, we have Daniil Hunter and Cesaria Smith. And I would move Edge off my immediate need, as in first round, bucket. Like Flip didn't even have him, even though they're the most impactful players, corners and edges on defense, you know, quarterbacks and wide receivers on offense. Um, I'd move him off. And there's another shot, Dave, where, like, say, somebody really, really needs an edge, and Jermaine Johnson is still there, although that's not looking likely either at this point. But Johnson's still there. That's where, again, Kwesi can pounce. He's get he's getting calls, fields calls, do the trade down, and mm-hmm. and you know again get more draft capital, and and you end up taking the cornerback that that you like anyway, because like, as you said, edge is it's a need, but not so much of a need in 2022 as it was a month ago when we didn't have Zadarius Smith and we didn't know if Hunter was coming back either. Drew, I would love to get Mafe. Um I don't think he's going to make it to us in the second round, but if he does, I'd run up to the podium and drop the card. Um, it's looking like he's going to be a guy that goes into the, the edge of the first round. Mm-hmm. First round, yeah. That's all he's done in the past two months. Well, that rounds out what we think about the number 12 pick and whether we trade down. We both agree most likely we're not trading up, so – Stay where we're at or trade down. And it depends and like on said, the board falls. Who's there? Yeah, like uh, if you if there's a stud there you absolutely love, you stay there. Uh, if you're uh, kind of like, well, we can get who we want and move down a little bit later, then you trade you down. Move down. Mm-hmm. So. That brings us, before we hit our last segment, of course, we got to hit like Monster Brewer. Uh, Matt Lang, the brewmeister, still waiting on that second care package from him because you know me, I love beer. <laughs> and I went through that first one way too quick. But they make some fabulous beers, all different flavors and styles from uh, subtle to wild, right? Discover the ones you like. They're in downtown St. Paul, close to Egan, you know, it's an easy commute. Get over there, try them, have some good food as well, and uh, make sure you join us on day two of our three-day draft coverage where we are going to be 100% live. And on day two, we're live from the brewery, and there's tons of free giveaways, right? And those free giveaways include beer, right? Man after my own heart, I wish you could be there. And, uh, but not only beer, other stuff, and you're guaranteed a great time because I'm sure Quasi and the boys are going to do a fantastic job once it comes day two because we'll have had our first round. We'll know what we did there. They'll reset the board and we'll get to move on. We got draft choices in both the second and third round, and we'll see where we go from there. Now, to round out the show, you wanted to hit some guys that have passed away in the last bit. 
that we have not touched upon on this show? We don't, uh, yes, Dave, we don't uh, tend to focus much on the Vikings past legends and, and the Vikings, uh, the history of the team, all that much. Cause we're so focused on well, right know, what's now. happening now with the Vikings, right? And like, let's get us out of this rut we're in uh, and get rid of the, the temple of gloom. But uh, this week we, we learned that uh, um, we still have one Doug point. Southern. We do, we do, we do. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that's right. The, the temple has not been completely knocked to the ground yet. <laughs> but uh, this week we we heard we learned that uh, Doug Sutherland, uh, a longtime defensive tackle for the Vikings, um, a member of the the Purple People Leaders, passed away. Uh, and it's I wanted to recognize him and, and again a couple of the other legends like you know, that we're referencing because. Um, Again, I don't have any memories of Doug Sutherland as a player. Uh, he was a little bit before when I got to watch a lot of Vikings games, really, in, in where I was from in Canada. We didn't get cable TV until the mid-'80s. Right. And that was well, the only time when we were able to watch uh, NFL games every Sunday and then Sunday night and, and Monday, too. Before that uh, – if you're, if we got any Canadian listeners, they might remember this. But before those days, at least to where I was from, uh, I, I, we could only we'd only get NFL games when the CFL season was over, which meant that that was basically like the last four games of the NFL regular season and then the playoffs. So uh, in the '70s, when I was young, I was still watching a bit of football, but didn't anyway. I never really saw Sutherland play, and I don't think I would remember if I did, but. Uh, here was a guy, and part of the pe- Purple People Eaters, he replaced Gary Larson on the inside. Uh, I think he was, he, you know, he started 90, 90 games, I believe, um, was with the team for 10 years, uh, was uh, made, made the Pro Bowl. And uh, for him to get able to be the starter, a consistent starter in the interior, but he got overlooked because when you're next to Jim Marshall, Carl Eller, and Alan Page, you're going to get overlooked. Get overlooked. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get overlooked. But there's been still for him to be on the starter on, with on, with that group, he had to be a hell of a player. He and here's a and here's a guy that uh, there's been several thousand players who've wore a Vikings uniform in their franchise history. Some of them for like one game, some of them for multiple seasons, like like Sutherland. Sutherland was. In was considered one of the top 50 Vikings of all time. Uh, so again, had to be a hell of a player, even if I don't have any re- memories of him. I don't know if you have any memories of him, David. But I, I have but, memory of the Vikings of that time, especially sacking Hart here from the yeah, St. Hart, Louis yeah. from the St. Louis Cardinals, um, but none specifically of him. Now we'll get to Mike Tinglehoff. Here in a bit, and yes, there. Our next player who died last year, passed away on us, was uh, Steve Riley. Tackle. Right? And these are guys I watched when I was playing Pop Warner football. And I was playing tackle. How to hit and how to grab. And Steve was the epitome of it. Back in the day on those Super Bowl era teams where he would stand up. You see his 
you see his right arm like this. He's giving delivering mm-hmm. what we used to do in the day. It was called a forearm shiver. You'd stand up that defensive guy and you'd smack him with your forearm. It's to stun him, get him off balance. Steve was great at that. And uh, there's a, uh, you know, it, it's sad when these old guys go away. It's it's the passage of time. You wish they would have seen the Vikings eventually win a Super Bowl. They wish they would have won a Super Bowl. You wish they would have, you know, and they would have wished they won, saw the team win one before they died. And it's just another in a long list that have not. Yeah, but, Steve had passed, passed away in September of 2021. And uh, and then he, he just passed away a, a few days after, unfortunately, Mick Tinglehoff, a long, long time, awesome center for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh but, uh, you know, Mick had passed away in September 2021, too. And another guy I don't have any memories of, of, of watching, but Tinglehoff. Yeah, Tinglehoff. Uh, Steve Riley played left tackle opposite Ron Yari at right tackle mm-hmm. on some of those great Viking lines with Tinglehoff at center. And and then you had Ed White at guard. And mm-hmm. uh, and and then, of course, Doug Sutherland playing with yeah, the great Ed White. And thankfully, he's still with us. Yeah. Still with us, yeah. Doug Sutherland playing on the interior of the Purple People Leaders. But these legends, these guys, these three guys, they they are part of the, the the huge history of this team. They were part of teams that really the glory days of the Minnesota Vikings when they won a division. They won the division every year. They made the playoffs every year and made the Super Bowl four times in an eight mm-hmm. season span in, in in you know the late sixties, early seventies, and they are responsible for creating the the you know the lore and the history of the franchise that people like me learned about and learn right. and ended up loving the team and still do so a huge debt to these guys these fallen guys that have passed away these viking legends that gave uh, you know people that are a little bit older than me gave them so much joy and had were such great players and on such great teams and it's just sad to lose them like you were saying and uh, hopefully some of the guys like Jim Marshall's 84, Carl Eller's 80. I think well, Fran Tarkenton is. Bud's yeah, up there. Bud he's is, in his 90s. He's in his 90s. Fran Tarkenton is, I think, 81 or 82. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hoping, I'm hoping, you're hoping that they're around a lot longer. And hopefully so that we can enjoy They that. can enjoy holding a Lombardi themselves. Because if the Vikings ever win one, I hope they pass it around and let these guys that were the foundation of what built, you know, the fandom and built the lore of that became the team, the excellence, you know, setting the standard at excellence all the time. It was these gentlemen, these fine gentlemen, and hopefully the guys that are still around will be able to touch and hold, hopefully, a future Vikings Lombardi. And we'll see, but I I hope they do. But the great Mick Tinglehoff, Hall of Famer, by far one of the greatest centers that has ever played. You know, I wish all three of them that they rest in peace, that uh, they're, uh, you know, in Valhalla, waiting for that day 
when they get called back to do battle once again. That's true, Dave. And it, 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 when these, the legends that are still with us, I, one of the reasons selfishly that I, I want them to stick around is, is that when they're still alive, uh, it just, the, those glory days of when, you know, the, the purple people leaders, the Vikings, the glory days of the Vikings in the seventies, the uh, that just feels a little bit, um, it doesn't feel so far away to me if they're still with us. Those legends are still with us as, as more of them pass. It feels like it's, you know, like the, the glory days when uh, of the Vikings are just get farther and farther away from us. And I don't want that to happen as a fan. Right. And hopefully like Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, they start a new uh, set of glory days for the Vikings. Like, uh, what happened when Holmgren, I hate to mention it, but when Holmgren and, uh, and number four, came together right and and revived i'd rather mention i'd rather mention the patriots right because i was in high school in new england when the patriots got halfway decent right and eventually they made the super bowl when i was over in england and uh, they lost to the bears but and then eventually they (laughs) eventually they found their quarterback and then went on a dynasty run so I want, I want, I would love Dynasty. I would love to get out that, to be that considered, he's just an arrogant Vikings fan. All they do yes, is win yeah. Super Bowls. Oh, yes, please. Let me be that guy. Yeah, yeah bring it on. Yeah, yeah. You won't hear the You won't hear the end of it if the Vikings get to be that sort of team. I'll be like crowing about it 24-7. <laughs> oh, so. But, hey, it's been a good show, buddy. I appreciate it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Just wanted to shout out the legends. Mm -hmm. And and they were. Um, Like I said, next week we will get into, and we talked about it this week, we'll get more into the analytics of what sort of expectations people should have. And then we'll wager, you know, we'll evaluate Quasi and how he does things against those. And, uh, see how they do but it's like i said it's the typical ski slope and but we'll look at it in depth and see how that goes i'll dig in i'll build out some spreadsheets and who knows maybe we'll see something in lightning any last words i'm sorry everybody i didn't get to talk about the huge julian taylor signing Maybe next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about how much priority we gave it. Uh, yeah. I do want to thank everybody for watching. Uh, Absolutely. You guys mean the world to us. We appreciate it, guys and gals. And uh, as always, drink good beer. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Eat good food. Enjoy your friends. And what do we say, Darren? We say Skull Vikings. Woo! Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.